0: You are listening to Wealthy Muslim Woman Podcast, episode number 15 with Saima Ali MD. Assalamualaikum, everyone. How is everybody doing today? I hope you are doing wonderful. First of all, I wanted to thank you all for listening into my podcast. For the first time ever, I opened up the statistics and the geographical map of it. And I realized I have people listening to me in Sweden, three or four different countries in Africa, and Pakistan, of course, that that I knew. And then even in Canada and the U.S. and another country in Europe. So thank you so much for listening in. And I hope you are enjoying and uh, keep sending me your questions and any other suggestions you have. I am very, very grateful for this. I did not expect this many people listening in this quickly. So I really do appreciate it. And let us talk about real estate today, about tax bases. Actually, before we get to that, I just wanted to tell you that I got a website now. It's uh, wealthymuslimwoman.us. Please check it out I am trying to do some blog post as well so I try to do a weekly blog post trying to do it on finances and also on just overall well-being so do check it out and do let me you know what you think about that as well okay now regarding the tax benefits so even if you own your own home so you purchase a property there are tax benefits for that as well even if you're just living there You can take tax deduction on your income for the property tax that you are paying for both federal government and some states as well. And you can also deduct the interest to certain limit that you you would be paying through a mortgage company. So your income tax goes down if you have your own primary residence and you are paying property tax for it and if you have a mortgage and are paying interest with that now if you have rental properties then the tax benefits are just outstanding and multiple now this is just a general overview of the tax benefits and tax rules however uh, tax laws do change very frequently there are new laws happening every time you have a new president or some government changes. um, So they do keep changing very frequently. So you would always have to ask your accountant or look up the guidelines for your state and your area always. One of the benefits of uh, owning real estate or rental property is that it depreciates in value. Now, what does that mean? That means that the property will be going down in value on paper even though if you buy a rental property overall the price may appreciate you are building an equity but the building that is standing on it will need repairs will end up losing its value so in like five years and ten years you may need a new roof you may need to change the vinyl sidings or other fixing up in the house how long does it take for a house to depreciate well that's an arbitrary number set up by the irs and a residential property is supposed to depreciate over 27 and a half years if you have a commercial property then that depreciates over 39 years so every year you are able to take certain part of your income that you are getting in rent and able to write it off as a depreciation cost. Depreciation is considered an expense. Even though the building depreciates in value, the land that the building is standing on does not depreciate. So you usually have to subtract the value of the land from the overall depreciation number. So for example, tax assessor value of the land is 25000 and the building that the land is standing on is $75,000. So it's to calculate your depreciation per year, you would take the $75,000, which is the assessment of the building, divided by 27.5 and that comes to $2,727 that you could write off on taxes that year. Other expenses that are present for a rental property are the mortgage interest, the taxes you are paying, any insurance on the building, water services, any garbage services that you have, and any other fix-ups or any other maintenance and repair that's required over the year you can deduct all those, but you need to keep good receipts for everything. Even if you call a handyman in and you know they're doing a fix-up, you have to save the receipts in case the IRS needs those receipts from you. You can not only deduct the expenses at the rental property, but you can also deduct a phone, an auto line, any sort of business cards you get made up, and any sort of cost that is done while managing the property if you have an office in your own house where you do all the paperwork and management of these properties there are ways of reducing your tax for from that as well if you keep a good track of all the receipts then at the end of the year all you have to do is subtract your annual expenses from the annual income you have and that's your profit or loss for the year because of depreciation, there's almost always a loss on a rental property at least on a paper. For example, let's look at the property that cost hundred thousand dollars. Let's say you have rented that property out for 500. So your annual income from that property is 500 times 12, which is6 thousand dollars. Let's say your other expenses, including any fixing, repairs, any mortgage, any interest, all of those add up to five thousand, and your depreciation for that year. Let's say you are using using two thousand dollars, so you end up with a negative thousand dollars in depre- after depreciation. Even though you may have positive income from the property, on paper you can claim a loss and thus reduce your taxes from that property. Now, this method was extensively used in the past by the very wealthy to reduce their income tax. So if somebody had 500000 a million dollar income coming every year, they would end up buying rental properties and using the expenses and the depreciation to lower their income tax as well. There was a tax reform back in 1986 and that kind of eliminated this tax shelter that was present, un- present at the time unless your income was less than $150,000. Now there is something called prof- real estate professional tax status and we'll discuss a little bit more of that. There are three different categories that the IRS puts um, real estate investors in. The first category is uh, known as passive investors. That's the least amount of benefit present there. You are able to deduct passive losses against passive gains. The second classification is the active investor. This is kind of what we talked about before. This allows you to deduct to deduct additional $25,000 against your ordinary income. However, you are not able to take the benefit of this um, if your adjusted gross income is $150,000 for a married couple or $100,000 for a single, single person. The big category is the real estate professional classification that's what a lot of doctors and uh, high salary nurses try to classify as you are able to deduct 100% of all your real estate losses against your ordinary incomes now to classify as a real estate professional person there are a lot of requirements that you have to meet to meet the real estate professional status for tax purposes either you or your spouse must meet two requirements you the taxpayer or their spouse must spend majority of their time in real property business and the taxpayer must spend 750 hours or more in real property business and rentals in which you materially participate now the irs only says real property business it does not classify that you have to be a real estate agent if you have to have any sort of licenses if you are involved in any sort of real estate business then you can classify for this and save on your taxes now sometimes the depreciation can hurt you over the long run That's when the capital gains is calculated. If you are selling a property after holding it for a while, capital gains is calculated as the sale price minus the adjusted tax basis. And adjusted tax basis takes into account the depreciation you had. So for example, if you buy a property that was originally at $100,000, later if you add a room to it for let's say... $15,000 then that increases your tax basis to 115,000 because now you have a positive addition to the house. However, if you are depreciating the property for another 20,000, then your tax basis comes to 95,000. And if you are selling like ten years down the road, or five years, whenever do you decide to sell the property, and you are able to sell the property for let's say two hundred k, because the property has appreciated in value, then you have to take subtract the adjusted tax basis from that, which is ninety five thousand dollars, and you will have gained hundred and five k to report as capital gains profit and that is a higher tax on the capital gains. Now capital gains tax is not necessarily a very horrible bad tax because the maximum federal gains capital tax rate currently is around 15% and the federal ordinary income tax is 39%. So by comparison it's still much, much lower to have capital gains tax versus ordinary income tax. Even though the capital gains tax rate is low, are there any ways to avoid the capital gains tax altogether? Yes, there are. One of them is called the 1031 exchange. What that means, or it's also called 1031 tax deferred exchange. Here, you take the gap capital gains from sale of one property and transfer or defer to a new property so if you sell a property and then you use whatever money you gained from it to purchase a newer property then you can defer those tax on those capital gains another way is to convert that rental property or the investment property to a personal property And uh, usually there's uh, criteria, number of years you have to live in a property to classify as a personal property and to avoid the the capital gains tax. I remember when I was in Virginia, I believe the rule was that in the past five years, you must have lived in that house around uh, three years to classify as personal property. And thus, you do not have to pay any capital gains tax on it. So out of those five years, even if I had rented the house for two years, but lived there for for three years, I could have still sold the property and not paid any capital gains tax on it. Another good benefit with real estate is that you only pay the property tax when you are selling so the capital gains tax not the property taxes which you are paying every year but even if you are living in a house and the value is appreciating you bought a hundred thousand and that's two hundred thousand then it's three hundred thousand that property is yours you are not paying any tax on it until you you are not paying any capital gains on it i have to classify that and until you decide to sell that property whereas for example in uh, stocks if you are getting paid dividend and even if you are reinvesting those dividends and you are not taking out any money from your investment you are reinvesting and but you are getting paid dividends you still have to declare them and you have to pay tax on it so that's another big difference that even though your value of the house is going up you are not paying those additional taxes on it these are some of the common benefits of real estate investment there are many more. Now. Um, Even though real estate investment can be very lucrative, it is also a very demanding business. You are literally on call 24-7 if your tenant's toilet breaks down, the sink is leaking, and uh, you don't think you want to be bothered with that, then real estate may not be a good opportunity or good job to invest in. There are a lot of real estate uh, property management companies out there now. Um, however they obviously will charge money as well so if you are going to hire other people then your gains or your profits will go down as well it can be great but again it is a very demanding job and you have to know that you are up for all the challenges that it will bring with it anyways that was a little bit about real estate investing and real estate taxes Inshallah, I hope to talk to you soon again. Until next time, bye.